It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 427 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Accessibility for the Win. It is September 22, 2023, and this is Jen. And I want to do a shout out here to Red October, who put a lot of good stuff into the Shattered Soulstone Discord that I could pull into the show and share with all of you. Thanks for that, Red October. Keep it up. It's really helpful. So the first thing I want to talk about is the uh, CMA, which is the UK government's Competition and Markets Authority. And this press release from them was posted today, September 22, 2023. It's titled, New Microsoft slash Activision Deal Addresses Previous CMA Concerns in Cloud Gaming. The sale of Activision's cloud gaming rights to Ubisoft substantially addresses previous concerns and opens the door to the deal being cleared, the CMA said today. And here's a little bit from that. While the CMA has identified limited residual concerns with the new deal, Microsoft has put forward remedies, which the CMA has provisionally concluded should address these issues. The CMA is now consulting on the remedies before making a final decision. The new deal. Earlier this year, the CMA blocked Microsoft from acquiring the whole of Activision due to concerns that the deal would harm competition in cloud gaming in the UK. After that deal was blocked, Microsoft submitted a restructured transaction in August for the CMA to review. Under that deal, Microsoft will not purchase the cloud gaming rights held by Activision, which will instead be sold to an independent third party, Ubisoft Entertainment SA, parentheses, Ubisoft, before the deal is completed. The prior sale of the cloud gaming rights will establish Ubisoft as a key supplier of content to cloud gaming services, replicating the role that Activision would have played in the market as an independent player. In contrast to the original deal, Microsoft will no longer control cloud gaming rights for Activision's content, so would not be in a position to limit access to Activision's key content to its own cloud gaming service or to withhold those games from rivals. Unlike the remedies the CMA previously rejected, Ubisoft will be free to offer Activision's games both directly to consumers and to all cloud gaming service providers, however it chooses, including for buy-to-play or multi-game subscription services or any new model for providing content that might emerge as the market develops. The deal with Ubisoft also requires Microsoft to port Activision games to operating systems other than Windows and support game emulators when requested, addressing the the other main shortcoming with the previous remedies package. Today's decision, the CMA considers that the restructured deal makes important changes that substantially address the concerns it set out in relation to the original transaction earlier this year. In particular, the sale of Activision's cloud streaming rights to Ubisoft will prevent this important content, including games such as Call of Duty, Overwatch, and World of Warcraft, from coming under the control of Microsoft in relation to cloud gaming. The CMA originally found that Microsoft already 
already had a strong position in the cloud gaming services and could have used its control over Activision content to stifle competition and reinforce this position. The new deal instead results in the cloud streaming rights for Activision's games being transferred to an independent player, Ubisoft, maintaining open competition as the market for cloud gaming develops over the coming years. And uh, it goes on from there a little bit. Everything I talk about in the show that's, you know, on a website somewhere that I read to you is going to be in the Shattered Soulstone website at some point, ShatteredSoulstone.com. You could find it all there and I'll link everything when I'm done talking about it. We've also got the Wall Street Journal because I always like to get more than one viewpoint, I guess, from stuff. So they have an article titled Microsoft's Activision Deal Clears Main Hurdle as UK Regulator Accepts, Accepts Changes. UK Competition and Markets Authority said that a new deal should lessen any harm to competition in cloud gaming. So I'm going to give you a little bit of this one because it's kind of long. Microsoft cleared the biggest regulatory hurdle in its $75 billion pursuit of Activision Blizzard after UK authorities said in a preliminary decision that the modified deal for the games giant had re- resolved around its most of its antitrust concerns. The UK Competition and Markets Authority said Friday that a new deal submitted by Microsoft should lessen any harm to competition in cloud gaming. It said it would ask other companies in the market for feedback on the proposal before issuing a final, de- final decision. The regulator initially rejected the deal, providing one of the biggest obstacles to the combination. The CMA said that Microsoft's proposed restructuring of the transaction in which Activision would sell its cloud gaming rights to gaming rival Ubisoft makes it possible for the deal to be cleared. The revised deal would require Microsoft to forfeit cloud streaming rights in much of the world for popular franchises, including Activision's Call of Duty. Microsoft has spent more than a year and a half trying to persuade competition authorities worldwide to accept the deal. The company secured approval for the acquisition in Europe, China, and other markets, but ran into difficulty in the U.S. and U.K., which at one point appeared likely to upend the company's plans. The CMA's decision to consider the company's revised proposal was unusual and came after the agency faced criticism over its initial rejection of the deal. Quote, this is a new and substantially different deal which keeps the cloud distribution of these important games in the hands of a strong independent supplier, Ubisoft, rather than under the control of Microsoft, the CMA said. In response, both Activision and Microsoft said they were encouraged by the development. Quote, the CMA's preliminary approval is great news for our future with Microsoft, Activision said. Quote, we will continue to work toward earning approval to close, Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith said the agency had set an initial deadline of October 18 to review the new proposal, the same day that an extended deadline for Microsoft's merger agreement with Activision is due to expire. It goes on from there if you want to hear more about it. And then Engadget also has like a short little article about it titled Microsoft's Activision merger set to get its final UK approval. The update opens the door to being cleared, the UK regulator said. I'm not sure how much is in here that wasn't in the other one. Um, Let's see. Oh, here we are. We have an open letter to employees from Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick. Let's see what that said because that one wasn't talked about. So this is on the newsroom, ActivisionBlizzard.com website, uh, and it's under corporate news, the latest step in the UK for the Microsoft deal. The CMA issued a preliminary approval for our merger with Microsoft. This is critical to completing the deal, CEO Bobby Kotick writes, or is it Kotick? I'm not sure. 
And it's actually a Substack. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick sent the following email to employees. Team, I want to share an important update on our planned merger with Microsoft. Today, the UK Regulatory Authority, the CMA, issued a preliminary approval for our merger with Microsoft based on the solutions Microsoft presented in connection with its new merger application. This approval is critical to completing our merger. The next step is for the CMA to gather third-party feedback, which the CMA will reach after which... the CMA will reach a final decision. As I said when we announced the deal, this transaction will help us accelerate our ambitions for the future of gaming and enable us to better serve our players. Microsoft recognizes the commitment to excellence and creative independence that has served us well for the last 30 years. I am confident that their resources, technology, and tools will provide us even greater opportunities to create even better games. This is a significant milestone for the merger and a testament to our solutions-oriented work with regulators. I remain optimistic as we continue the journey toward completion and am very grateful to each of you for your dedication and focus throughout this process. As the regulators continue their process, I will keep you updated on our progress towards our expected closing with gratitude, Bobby. So there's that. I was looking for that earlier and couldn't find a link, but there it is. And uh, speaking of Activision, Call of Duty has something going on. Now, I think in the previous show, somebody thought that Lilith and the Butcher were going to be coming to Call of Duty in, in some event called The Haunting. And now we know that it's actually Lilith and Anarius that are going to be there. And that's on uh, Twitter or X uh, under the Call of Duty you know, stuff. So, uh, yeah, they, they wrote the Call of Duty team, whoever's, whoever's behind the social, right? Uh, the Burning Hells arrive in Call of Duty at Diablo Bundles make their fiery appearance during The Haunting, complete with the Queen of the Succubi, Lilith, and the fallen Archangel Inarius as operators. There's a little more about that. So under this, it's uh, Call of Duty Season 06, announcing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and Call of Duty Warzone Season 06, The Haunting. The hell-cursed anti-hero Spawn arrives in Season 6, 06, tasked with taking out the dark ritual operators across Almazard and Vondel. Plus, four new multiplayer maps at launch, three new functional weapons, the return of the haunting, and more. So here's a little bit from that. Prepare for frightening thrills, the shambling undead, squad hunts to take down grotesque monsters, and those infamous jump scares as the haunting returns to Call of Duty. The Hellmouth has opened, spilling unearthly creatures from the underworld, and a creeping terror is slowly swallowing all souls as it infects the entirety of Almazar, reaching the blood-red canals of Vondel and beyond. There's some pictures in this, which you can check out i'll put it in the show notes as i do everything else it appears a clandestine group known as the dark ritual operators have located and opened a terrifying hellmouth after the gates seals were ripped apart a cacophony of otherworldly gurgling resounded before a veritable panoply of the grotesque poured forth from their opened prison all operators should be ready should ready themselves for Operation Nightmare and prepare to battle and repel these aberrant threats. Fortunately, in the ensuing chaos, the dark ritual operators left the gate open in time for backup to arrive in the form of Spawn, the hellacious anti-hero who is now tasked with sending these monsters and their ilk back to the underworld. The haunting event officially begins at mid-season, bringing Halloween-themed maps, modes, events, and 
more across both games. Prepare for spine-chilling scares and ferocious battles ahead at launch with the release of four new multiplayer maps, a battle pass stocked with devilishly entertaining new operators and weapon blueprints and more. It goes on from there. Diablo Immortal posted... Diablo Immortal bug fixes and patch notes for all platforms on September 19th. So here's a little bit about the issues that they fixed. Um, September 19, 2023 bug fixes gameplay. Fixed an issue with the Barbarian's Leap not being able to pass through some barriers. Fixed an issue which prevented players from being targeted by enemies when joining certain in-game activities from the trading grounds. Fixed an issue where players would receive an imbalanced amount of rewards in the Trial of the Hordes event. On the 12th, they fixed an issue where essence transfer vendors would not appear, fixed an occasional issue where chests would not appear after defeating the associated heliquary boss, fixed an occasional issue where the trial of the hordes chest wouldn't provide an, an reward. That's going to be a problem. Uh, fixed an issue where the demon hunter's daring swing set unintentionally bypassed barriers and the environment. Also fixed various text issues in the Stormpoint zone and various UI issues in the Temple of Namari dungeon. Goes on from there if you want to see more, but those are the two that were most recent. Diablo Immortal also posted a thing called Witness the Dark Rebirth in Tristram Cathedral, which to me sounds kind of interesting. It's got a bunch of, looks like, I don't know, cultists or zombies in this artwork it's got there. Maybe I'll play. Uh, intimidating shadows looming near wish to snap your sanity, adventurer. Will you waver in their presence? Welcome to our latest major update, Dark Rebirth. This update brings a chilling descent into the depths of Tristram Cathedral, the new Alley of Blood team-based PvP activity, three new legendary gems, adjustments to your favorite features, and much more. As with previous content updates, there will be server maintenance starting on September 20. So that's already done from 5 to 7 p.m. PDT and on for Oceania, China, East Asia, Southeast Asia and Europe servers. And on September 21 from 1 a.m. to 3 p.m. PDT for servers in the Americas. After the maintenance has concluded, all items mentioned below will be live. Specific dates for any context going live afterward are provided below. So here's the main quest here. Reports from Wortham suggest the town folk are having peculiar dreams. Some have even disappeared during the night. Returning to Tristram Cathedral to investigate these disturbances will have you crossing cleavers with an old nemesis, the Butcher, along with confronting a malicious enemy imbued with the power of Diablo himself. Your descent will be hindered by new, unsightly abominations, the Shardborn. These grotesque beings are the unfortunate result of the corrupted Worldstone. Shards penetrate the flesh of humans, reanimating the dead into lethal attackers, and slowly decay the living until there are twisted amalgamation of flesh. Tread carefully when in their presence. The slightest exposure to world stone shards will send them into a rabid craze. The cult of terror looks to unleash these nightmares upon sanctuary, navigating treacherous locations, such as the manor where the Mad King lost himself and the cathedral where Diablo was once confined. Be will be paramount in keeping the burning hell's influence at bay. Sanctuary needs you, adventurer. 
To embark upon this journey into the bowels of Tristram Cathedral, you must have completed the Ancient's Cradle main questline, beginning with Fare You Well and ending with Creation's Husk, and reached level, Hell Level Difficulty 3. Maybe I won't be able to play this. <laughs> I don't know. There's also an al Alley of Blood, which is a team-based single PvP activity, changing how Shadow Clans prove themselves in the Shadow War, and how they clash against Immortals for bon bonuses in the new Vigil of Blades component of Cycle of Strife. A variant of Ally, Ally, Ally? A variant of Ally and Blood is also available to play during the new limited time event. In Alley of Blood, teams will battle, battle fiercely over hallowed ground, aiming to overpower the opposing team by demolishing their sentry towers and ultimately destroying the base of their operations, their crystal heart. In cases where both teams are evenly matched and neither crystal heart is destroyed, the winner is decided by the team with more remaining structures and overall team performance. Your team won't be in this fight alone. Massive sacred guardians seek to triumph over their adversary as well and will spawn to attack the enemy's sacred guardians, sentry tower, and crystal heart. These stone behemoths deal massive damage so you'll want to clear a path for them and then there's roles you can pick so you can of what you want to do in there there's a bunch of different things the key to greatness champions marks cutting down the enemy team's forces doesn't just bring you satisfaction in alley of blood it can also bring power to your character in the form of champions marks these shiny symbols of strength can be picked up after they drop from destroyed sacred guardians and felled players you can have a maximum of 99 champions marks with each one increasing your power and character's size but beware upon your own death you'll drop a portion of your marks for the enemy team to scoop up up. And then there's some tips of what to do. It looks like Tuesday, 9 p.m., there's going to be a list of the week's matches announced for the Alley of Bloods Cycle of Strife thing. There's also Vigil of Blades. Cast your blade into the fray to bring glory to your faction. After Shadow War concludes and before Rite of Exile, the most prominent Shadow Clans will face off in an 8 versus 8 battle against the Immortals in the Alley of Blood. And then there's also a bunch of different other things in here. They're talking about uh, new... Here's the rules of engagements for this stuff. All characters will be set to level 60. The rank of all legendary gear and set gear will be set to 1. The rank of for all legendary gems on your character will be set to 10. Bonuses from the following are disabled as well. Resonance, clans and warbands, normal gems and charms, heliquary bonus, stances and paragon specialization. There's also three new legendary gems in here. One is the Eye of the Unyielding and it increases resonance and some other stuff. Uh, Viper's Bite rank increases resonance and enemies get uh, damaging enemies with poison with Viper's Venom. And then there's a Void Spark that increases resonance a lot and has a combat rating of 240. Dealing damage con conjures a Void Spark for six seconds. While the Void Spark is active, dealing damage has a 30% chance to unleash lightning that chains up to eight enemies, dealing 110% base damage. That sounds pretty neat. And then there's a limited time event, and I'm not sure. It started on the 21st. It's going to end on October 5th. It's called uh, Champion's Revolt, limited time event. Um, and let's see, what is this about? Uh, you can embark on Champion's Revolt tasks, which can be completed indefinitely to receive Champion's commendations. 
You can have a total of 1,200 champions commendations each week. Once you've gathered a sizable chunk of commendations, they can be exchanged for rewards such as gold, scrap materials, enchanted dust, legendary items, telluric pearls, and legendary crests. And there's also a season 18 battle pass called Fresh Meat because of the butcher, I guess. Um, that's in there as well. And some more stuff if you're if you're looking into that. I keep thinking I want to go back and play Diablo Immortal again, but then I like I've been busy and I've been really sick because we have smoke coming in from other states and so I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm gonna try. IGN posted this article which became kind of the title of our this episode, Accessibility for the Win. Uh, this is written by Grant Stoner, posted on September 18 on IGN. The title of this is Meet the First Blind Individual to Complete Diablo 4 Without Sighted Assistance. Ty T.Y. beats the game by himself because of disabled ingenuity and accessible designs and features. So I'm going to read you some of this. Ty Tylenophy uh, grew up playing franchises like World of Warcraft and Diablo. From slaying boars with friends to extensively studying the lore within Diablo 2, many of Ty's gaming memories resolve, uh, revolve around these moments. And now Ty holds the title of the world's first blind player to fully complete Diablo 4 independently. As the accessibility movement grows across the gaming industry, studios are actively incorporating features and design practices that benefit disabled players. Not only do these accessibility tools remove potential barriers, but they also allow individuals like Ty to challenge themselves without belittling their experiences. And with a suite of accessibility options and designs like screen reader support, high-quality audio, and audio cues related to gear, blind and low vision players are able to successfully navigate the world of Diablo 4. Speaking with IGN, Ty discusses the importance of accessibility for blind slash low vision players, the ways in which Diablo 4's settings and gameplay aided his experience, and his proudest achievements when becoming the first blind player to complete the game without sighted assistance. So I'm going to read a little bit about this uh, under a heading here called Why Accessibility Matters. It's a pretty long article, so I'm not going to do the whole thing here, but I think it's worth reading uh, if you want to check it out from the show notes later. Ty's visual disability, optic nerve atrophy caused by hydrocephalus, affected his eyesight at a young age. And since many games lacked proper accessible features and designs for blind and low vision players, his capability to play relied extensively on support from others. While he appreciated the support from loved ones, he ultimately had to learn how to create his own solutions to the inaccessible obstacles in each title. Quote, My journey into gaming started when I was six years of age, he says. I was in the hospital post-surgery and had woken up and didn't have vision anymore. My friend brought their Nintendo 64 to the hospital because he really wanted me to play Mario Party and Super Smash Brothers and we somehow made it work. For example, he'd tell me where elements were placed in the game, like, you're on the left side of the platform and Donkey Kong's over on the right side, so you need to move the joystick to the right. Then it was listening for the auditory feedback of the characters as they moved, jumped, and attacked. Despite the solutions created by Ty and his friends, games had had yet to devote time and resources to developing extensive accessibility menus and inclusive designs. His reasoning for becoming familiar with the lore of Diablo 2 was partly due to immense interest and partly wanting to spend time with his friends. But because the gameplay was too inaccessible for blind and low vision players, Ty was unable to properly navigate or target enemies. Without accessibility features or design practices like enhanced audio, Ty couldn't complete basic encounters or leave zones. Even when 
when learning the lore, his friend needed to read passages and excerpts to him. It wasn't until years later that he noticed a significant shift in the accessibility of these games, thanks to both a better industry understanding of accessibility and a willingness to actively include disabled voices in the game. Quote, I think in gaming, the man on the moon step forward for accessibility was The Last of Us Part Two a few years ago, he says. Then I think we saw another leap forward with God of War Ragnarok, and I feel that Diablo 4 has taken it to the next level. Is it perfect? No. But there is a clear and obvious commitment to equity and accessibility with the Diablo team, including not just frequent accessibility fixes, but also inclusion of alt text on images from key leaders and surfacing of accessibility fixes in patch notes. And it goes on from there. I just thought it was really cool that, that someone actually could do this that is um, legally blind, I think is... Yeah. Optic nerve atrophy caused by hydrocephalus. So that's what he had, and he's still playing video games. And it's great that they are that a lot of video games are now providing accessibility for people who have low vision or are completely blind. I like the way that's going. I think that's something that all video games should do in the future. Or maybe they can update ones, possibly, that didn't have that into ones that now do. I don't know how long that would take. I'm not a coder. I've never worked for a gaming company. But who knows, right? There's possibilities here that I think are going to be wonderful if they do them. Wowhead has an article titled, Earned Glyph XP Does Not Roll Over in Diablo 4, Use It or Lose It. And uh, this is what they wrote while... Who wrote this one? Let's see. It's Oxide. Oxide wrote this one. While many seasoned sanctuary goers might have already learned this either through someone else's experience or experiencing it themselves, one thing that is not obvious is that Glyph XP does not accumulate between Nightmare Dungeons. It's a use it or lose it system, and that means you'll often find yourself upgrading other glyphs as it will be more efficient for player power to upgrade a lesser glyph than wasting the XP. All veterans of Sanctuary already know that every build has a handful of glyphs that are very important to squeezing out the extra damage to comfortably push Nightmare Dungeons. While this is often not an issue, when you are in the middle of your Nightmare Dungeon grind, it is something that can feel bad early on before you acquire all your glyphs. One possible challenge Blizzard could make would be allowing players to store all or part if they insist on having some friction of the glyph XP earned so that players are able to apply them to the glyphs they actually want to level up. Given that the current system works much like the legendary gems in Diablo 3, it is unlikely that this will ever change. However, a counterpoint to that is Diablo 3's legacy gems had an extra bonus of allowing players to augment their gear with extra stats using leveled legendary gems. It'll be interesting to see if Blizzard decides to change the Glyph XP system. And speaking of Diablo 3, I've been playing Season 29 a little bit, and it's fun. It's really fun. Um, I'm playing a monk still because I want to, and it's what I've been doing for quite some time. So yeah, I've done a couple of videos. Um, most of the videos I do of any kind of Diablo gameplay are on YouTube, on Book of Gen Original. You can check them out there if you want to. You don't have to. It's just where I put them because I need some place to put them. And that's, so that's where they go. But um, these diabolic fissures you jump through get you a lot of stuff. And I'm playing on solo self-found mode, which is different from just playing the game by yourself previous to solo self-found mode. You start out with zero gold. You start out with really nothing. You know, it's like the whole you barely have clothing kind of thing you start with there. And you have to like find ways to make gold and make money and so I'm like selling things I don't need to vendors. I'm starting to get books for the blacksmith just now like the other maybe yesterday 
and stuff like that. But if you go through those diabolic fissures, you can get death's breaths at like level one or two even, you know, and there's sometimes some legendary loot in there and sometimes there's a whole bunch of gold. And I swear to you, I went through one of these fissures and it was an area that was encased in like, like a dungeon, you know, it wasn't like an open world looking area and it was full of treasure goblins and i got so much gold off of that i'm like oh my god this is exactly what i needed i'm having a hell of a good time in there so if you're not doing it or you haven't jumped in yet there's still time try it out i think it's a lot of fun moving on back to diablo 4 adam fletcher who is pez radar wrote we will be announcing the date for the diablo 4 developer update live stream next week we are targeting the first week of october to go over details somebody also asked uh rod ferguson about this he's the svp gm of all things diablo at blizzard he mentioned something about a coffee bean and tea leaf near him near the office and someone responded by asking info on season two and rod ferguson said dev stream early october so those match so we're probably getting a dev stream early october and then the last thing in here that i wanted to share is also from wowhead written by arctane and it's called happy corpse bow and friends fan created game pays tribute to diablo 4's notorious enemy those corpse bows, right? That's the first thing I target in Diablo 4. If I see them, I go after those first and then fight everything else. Unless everything surrounded me, in which case, well, you know how it goes. So here's what Arctane wrote. We can all agree that corpse bows are probably the worst enemy in Diablo 4. There's nothing more infuriating than being 360, 360 no-scoped by one of these infernal amalgamations of bone from off-screen. Our hearts go out to the hardcore players. Fellow Diablo 4 player Dawai, D-O-W-A-I, has felt the sting of defeat from corpse bows one too many times themselves. They have resisted the influence of hatred's grasp on Sanctuary by channeling their anger into creativity with the creation of their very first solo video game. And it's called Happy Corpse Bow and Friends. The charming game called Happy Corpse Bow and Friends is, is called that, but you are just a lone corpse bow trying to live a peaceful existence. But these so-called, quote, heroes and, quote, Quote, keep trying to hurt you. Luckily, you have lots of friends who will selflessly protect you, such as zombie friend, goatman friend, and cannibal friend. Players earn happiness points by slaying heroes and use them to upgrade the speed of your corpse bow shots and strategically place more friends to help you survive this entirely unprovoked, unjust assault. Each of your friends has their own abilities that can make them more suited to protect you based on your situation. When you click on one of your three choice, uh, click on one of your three choices, it will cycle to another three at random, so choose wisely. Dewey's work here is lighthearted fun with whimsical accompaniment music that only adds to the silly charm. This tribute to one of Diablo 4's iconic enemies is a treat, letting us see the other side of the story. We hope Dewey keeps up the great work. And that's fascinating. I'm not sure where you get to play this thing. There's a video embedded in Wowhead to check out. And there's a link to it there. Um, play Happy Corpse Bone Friends. And you can play it. on. Uh, it's on YouTube as well if you just want to take a look at it. And I just think it's hysterically funny because I think everybody hates the corpse bow because, I mean, that's what I go for right off. I'm like, that's what I need. I'm going to, I'm going to kill that right now. And I've been playing in Diablo 3... I've played a barbarian to start with, and then that was when the bad patch was going on, and I kind of stopped, and then I played a druid, and kind of went, eh, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Ended up with the rogue, um, and then got a second rogue, and um, things got better. So that's kind of where I'm at with this, but yeah, I go after those corpse bows as fast as I can find them. 
And uh, yeah, it all works out. So that's all I've got for today. So with that, I'm going to end this episode. You have been listening to episode 427 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show's blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter at Shattered Stone as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>